0: This is your host Becky Sanders. Welcome to a virtual view where we discuss healthcare, telehealth, and everything in between. Last time we were talking with Dina Dodd, our Director of Government Relations at the Indiana Rural Health Association. She and I really got into some nitty-gritty details about some recent policy events, so we've decided to cut that recording into two podcasts. If you are trying to listen to part two, please go back and listen to part one first, otherwise it's really not going to make any sense. Here is part two of our policy podcast. So what about our other states? Mm. Which one should we talk about next?
1: Can, let's jump over to Illinois for a minute. Okay. Because uh, they, they submitted a bill, oh gosh, uh, mid-February. It's specifically right now, Illinois House Bill 3498, Representative Conroy actually submitted this bill, and it's around telehealth services. And it's creating some really positive foundational changes in the state of Illinois.
0: That sounds good and promising. Tell us more.
1: Yeah. So when the bill was originally introduced in uh, February, it was assigned to the Healthcare Availability and Accessibility Committee, which the state of Indiana does not have. But I think it's an awesome committee that Illinois does have because it specifically addresses availability and accessibility. And those are issues, especially in healthcare, that are so important to those who are served in rural communities and those who are served in underserved communities. So awesome job there in Illinois. Actually, this bill, this telehealth bill, moved through that committee with great finesse. It passed out of the committee on its third reading on March the 23rd. So they're recognizing the wealth of what's in this bill. And I know I haven't told you yet what's in this bill, but I do, before I I tell you what's in the bill, I want to share that there are 55 House co-sponsors within this telehealth bill, which is awesome. It's awesome. That's
0: like unheard of.
1: It is. It is an overwhelming number of folks. And it's from all walks of the state of Illinois, rural and very metropolitan. So it's really great. The bill itself actually amends the original Illinois Telehealth Act. And it provides that any policy contract or certificate with regards to health insurance coverage that does not distinguish between in-network and out-of-network providers is going to be assumed and thought of as if all providers were in network. And it also provides that health insurance issuers cover telehealth services rendered by healthcare professionals to deliver any clinically appropriate and medically necessary covered services. And it allows the provider to determine if they are appropriate and if they are necessary. So
0: that's key allowing the provider to make that determination and not someone else.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Healthcare professionals and facilities are able to determine what technology platforms they want to use, what technology vendor that they want to use for the service. And so long as they adhere to the privacy laws that are set forth in the state of Illinois, you know, it opens the door for a lot of options. And i really appreciate the fact that it just moves Illinois's opportunity to provide care to everybody that resides within their state access to options whether they be in network or out and it removes provisions concerning behavioral health and medical health services also so the act really is probably one of the more robust laws or not law yet, but bills, rather, that we've seen in the UMTRC states. So, great job to the folks over in Illinois for recognizing uh, some of the changes that needed to be made so that their folks can provide care where and when necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they're doing a great job in Illinois this year. And, I, you know, I think the, the pandemic has changed so many things. The way we look at healthcare, you know, we're talking about that today, but it has changed our lives in ways that we won't even recognize for 10 or 20 years.
1: You're absolutely and, well, right.
0: And, and speaking of 10 or 20 years, folks in the in the industry of telehealth, they really have talked about and we haven't even talked at the federal level yet. They really talk about those massive changes at the federal level as moving policy forward in telehealth 20 years overnight with the pandemic.
1: You're absolutely right, Becky. Things that, you know, those of us who were watching telehealth the last couple of years and having conversations and trying to help our state And federal legislators really understand what it means. This was kind of uh, a submersive, you know, event where they had to get on board, recognize exactly the wealth that telehealth provided, put their fears and apprehensions to the side, and figure out how to get care to the constituents that they represented. And a lot of our states have stepped up, and and a lot of legislators have said, we can no longer slow walk this. The genie is out of the bottle. So let's embrace it and run with it and make sure that our providers are being reimbursed, our constituents are getting care, and that we look at across all spectrums of opportunities for providers to get involved and invested in the telehealth world so for folks who are who are listening to our podcast from illinois i just want to let you know that house bill 3498 now sits in the senate with the senate insurance committee it was just moved there the 10th of may so please reach out to your senators especially if they're on the insurance committee and make sure that they understand the wealth that this bill will provide for your abilities to provide care there in illinois
0: absolutely so before we jump into the federal arena, we still have one more state in our region to talk about. Let's talk about Michigan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Michigan, you know, they've got the UP, which is one of the, I would say, the biggest challenges, if you will, in delivering care to an area. because when winter hits, those folks aren't able to just get in their cars and drive to the physician when they're, when they're, you know, snow locked, if you will, and they're not feeling great, it may mean getting on a snowmobile and trying to get to the local physician. And not all of the communities up there have access to a physician. Not all of the communities have access to uh, a clinic or hospital. So telehealth in Michigan is extremely, extremely important. And as early as 2019, you know, telemedicine really kind of took hold and they established uh, a Medicaid and a private parity or private payer (laughs) program. And they have a a parity law there in Michigan that was enacted actually in 2012. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I believe they were one of the first states in our region that had a Medicaid program for telehealth reimbursement
1: yeah yeah it's it's phenomenal so the wolverine state was probably a leader you know if you think about how long ago 2012 was that was almost 10 years ago
0: yeah that's hard to believe
1: (laughs) it is it really it's it's staggering but yeah virtual care in michigan is is really impressive and it's important and uh while michigan was very progressive they still only offer reimbursement for live video telemedicine services so you know rpm is not reimbursable Uh, Uh, what
0: and for our listeners what is rpm
1: oh i'm terribly sorry uh acronym speak remote patient monitoring they also define telemedicine as real-time service so it can't be over your phone you have to have a way to connect to broadband or to satellite service, so that you can do that live video remote visit in order for the physician to be reimbursed. So it's, it still has some work to do, even though that they were one of the first to get things moving. And I can only hope that as they recognize, like Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio have, that this last year, that. The services available to the constituents there in Michigan, there's there's some room for updates. Is how we'll how we'll put it,
0: yeah. But Michigan, it was very interesting. I was going to be part of a panel for Medicaid, or the for the Michigan Medicaid program was getting ready to make some really big announcements. Just as COVID hit the United States last year, you want to tell everybody what happened.
1: I'm going to let you tell everybody what happened back because I know that it was one of those things that stumbled that, that we all kind of were ooing and awing over. And I know that it was one of those things that was impressive for sure.
0: Absolutely so we had been planning for this in-person conference and i was going to be part of a panel talking about reimbursement for telehealth and telemedicine and kind of had figured out behind the scenes that they were actually going to open up and let the originating site be anywhere for the patient in the state of michigan and like i don't know two days before the conference was supposed to happen everything started to shut down in the united states and so their executive order actually came out before they got to announce their program changes but since then they have implemented it and codified into their permanent law those changes for the originating site in michigan medicaid program
1: yeah yeah Uh, you know their program the michigan medicaid program has done a really good job as far as what services they they cover what their reimbursement for live telemedicine visits allows and you know one of the things that i don't believe illinois indiana or ohio actually has pulled into their laws of yet anyway is in stage renal disease and that is one of the things that michigan has recognized esrd is one of those diseases that you don't have a lot of control over getting access to care those related services oftentimes are, you know, life or death for some folks. So in-stage renal disease reimbursement for telemedicine in the state of Michigan is one of those things that I'm, I'm optimistic will soon find its way into some of our other states.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: They also provide education across telehealth. So it's an open-ended statement when I say that. So education service and telehealth, if you're an educator and there's a, a, you know, specialty in front of that, you're able to be reimbursed through the Michigan Medicaid program. Initial visits for nursing facility services, another reimbursable service that we've not seen in some of our other states. But while every state, of course, presents its challenges, Michigan has certainly brought some things to the table that our other associate states probably need to take into some consideration and then of course we're always cheering for for Michigan to open up some other opportunities as well.
0: Yeah absolutely, I've seen more new laws this year that include things like the genetic counselors we talked about for Indiana, coverage for diabetes educators, for lactation consultants, all types of things that been kind of in my mind, low hanging fruit that legislators previously didn't comprehend.
1: You know, it's funny that you say that. And I think it goes back to our conversation earlier. If you don't work in healthcare, or you've not been impacted, or your family's not been impacted by some kind of, you know, challenging comorbidity, these aren't things that flow through your mind as being super high importance. So having those folks in your legislative body who can continue to peel back the layers of the onion, if you will, of telehealth and what services can be rendered across it and how many constituents it impacts is really, really important. And if you don't, if you're in an area, and you have a large subset of constituents that you're providing care to, and you're like, you know, I wish I could provide care via telehealth to them, but it's not in my state's laws. By all means, reach out to your local elected senator or your local elected representative. Invite them into your practice show them what it is specifically that you are dealing with, help bring them on board with what your vision is with regards to changing and or modifying your current state law and help them create the framework with which that can work in your current state program. And honestly, you're a content expert in that space your local elected official may be a banker they may be a lawyer they may be an entrepreneur who has a screen printing business so your knowledge and your advocacy for a specific service and for your constituents is definitely something that you should take into consideration. And something that I think is would be welcome because I think after this public health emergency, our elected officials are recognizing that this is a space that they need a lot of structure and guidance in. And I think that they would welcome having that invitation from an individual working in healthcare to be invited in and to see really how things are working and honestly what's broken as well
0: mm-hmm. well said um dina i think that i'm going to have to have you back again to talk about advocacy versus lobbying <laughs> i think I, we're going we're to tease that out a little bit here i would
1: welcome the opportunity becky i think that These podcasts that you're providing to folks with the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center, there's so much wealth in them. I I was actually able to listen to a couple of them previously, and uh, you and your team are doing an an exceptional job. And I just want to thank you for leading the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center that you like you've done the last, uh, gosh, what's it been, 11 years now?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: So uh, job well done. I hope to see you sitting here doing this for a very long time. The wealth of knowledge that you and your team bring to telehealth and, and the area that you cover is really exceptional. So congratulations. And I'm, I'm happy to come back anytime that, that you need somebody to fill in or get in the hot seat.
0: Fair enough. But I'm not letting you off the seat yet because we've been teasing out this federal law that we want to talk about, or federal bill, I should say, that was recently introduced. So, Dina, do you want to let everybody in on that? What is this federal bill that's been introduced that I keep teasing people about?
1: Yeah, yeah. So there was a group of 50 senators that reintroduced for the fourth time, I might add, legislation to expand telehealth access, making permanent telehealth flexibilities available, actually not just during the COVID-19 pandemic, but henceforth as we execute within healthcare.
0: That would be so amazing
1: it would be amazing. And the fact that it's being revisited for the fourth time is really interesting in my opinion. I think the pandemic certainly has given it legs that it maybe did not have prior. It's actually called the Connect for Health Act and it's an expansion, a bill to expand coverage of telehealth services through Medicare and improving health outcomes and making it easier for patients to safely connect with their doctors. It's such a necessary bill, and I'm just optimistic seeing as how there are 50 senators. Uh, Mind you, there are only 100 federal senators, so half of the senators recognize the wealth in this act and are on board with getting it passed. So I'm personally feeling very good about it.
0: Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. And there's a couple of different places that for federal bills, you can follow. One is that comes to mind is GovTrack. Isn't that the one that has the percentage of how likely it might be to pass?
1: It is. It is. And that actually comes out of the office there at the GovTrack Center. They do a quick assessment, they go back into the docket where the bill was filed and they see exactly how much traction, how many individuals are co-signators on the bill. So it's a it's a good place to follow bills that are submitted. One of the places though that I really, you know, appreciate getting my information from and would encourage our listeners to get information from is the Center for Connected Health Policy.
0: Absolutely. We are not going to finish this podcast episode without tooting the horn of the Center for Connected Health Policy.
1: Yeah, they do an exceptional job of uh, keeping folks abreast of what's moving on the national scene. And I, I I tell you what, they just make my job a lot easier some days when, when I know I have a dependable, reliable resource in CCHP.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They just actually put out a fact sheet that I printed yesterday about this connect act so definitely will make it easier to follow this one mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: it's it's exciting actually this one i think is going to move relatively quickly honestly and within the bill itself it does give hhs secretary the ability to waive telehealth limitations without having to wait for congress which golly wouldn't that have been nice <laughs> during this pandemic
0: oh absolutely it would have made things a lot cleaner
1: yeah. Yeah. But the fact that it's in place now within this act gives me some hope that folks know that they just need to get out of the way mm-hmm. and and let some modifications, some limitations be lifted when necessary so that great care can be given across mm-hmm. telemedicine telehealth.
0: There's actually some clauses in the bill as it's being introduced around data and testing models that will give Congress even more information, you know, just straight up data about the efficacy and effectiveness and cost savings for telehealth.
1: And you know, data is king whenever you're talking about healthcare. Of course, we all know how, how costly healthcare is, but I cannot wait for the data to come out, you know, through the, through the action of this bill so that our federal legislators can see exactly how cost effective this modality is. I don't think that they really understand or grasp how we can help control some of healthcare's costs when you're talking about providing care virtually, when you're talking about being able to address the needs of the patient in a really timely fashion, or being able to renew a patient prescription, keeping them out of the emergency room, you know, possibly keeping them out of a hospital stay because they weren't able to get into their primary care physician or to get that pharmacological renewed. So I'm optimistic that the materials that will come out of this bill are really gonna be advantageous to helping us get and keep Americans healthy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite stories to tell is about school telehealth. And on our podcast series so far, we've talked about the Erskine program, the Indiana Rural Schools Clinic Network program. And we've heard from one of the providers from that program and also one of the individuals that's been really involved with connecting to schools in their local area of Indiana. And I love the story about the kiddo That went to the school nurse with an earache and they were able to be seen via telehealth and have a prescription in hand when they went home that day and so that family didn't have to take time off of work the kiddo didn't have to take time out of school to travel to see a local provider and they didn't end up in the emergency room with a fifteen hundred dollar bill for a burst eardrum
1: yeah it's it's really great when we can provide access to care to our kids and keep them in school and not be disruptive with classroom time. We all know kids learn better when they are, you know, in the classroom and with the teacher and Boy didn't we learn that this last year during the pandemic when when children were at home and trying to do remote school work and parents were basically thrust into being part-time educators as well getting them back into the classroom providing them access to care making sure that as their parent gets off work they know that they can go by their local pharmacy and pick up that prescription for their child and go home and just focus on, you know, getting dinner made and following up on homework and getting outside for 20 or 30 minutes of family activity. My goodness, that is just huge. And it's one of those things where we're keeping them out of the emergency rooms. We're not having to waste family time trying to get them into the emergency room. It just makes the whole family unit a more healthy unit. And I'm excited to see more schools employ and get involved and get invested as well in telebehavioral and telehealth services for for their adolescents that they're providing Mm -hmm. care to, or providing education to, rather.
0: Right, yeah, and that area of telehealth is definitely taking off all around the country. Well, Dina, I want to thank you for being with us today, and I want to thank our listeners for listening to A Virtual View. I've been your host, Becky Sanders. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes below. If you'd like to support our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. If you've got questions or topics you'd like to discuss, you can shoot us an email at info at UMTRC or through the form found in the show notes below. Also, I'd like to give special thanks to Josh Rodriguez and Frances Fitzgerald for scoring our podcast, and a very special thanks to our producer, Caroline Yoder. Without her, none of this would be possible. Finally, a special thanks to HERSA, the Health Resources and Service Administration. Our podcast series, A Virtual View, is sponsored in part by HRSA's Telehealth Resource Center program, which is under the Federal Office of Rural Health Policy and the Office for Advancement of Telehealth. The content and conclusions of this podcast are those of Becky Sanders as the Program Director of the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center and should not be construed as the official policy or position of, nor should any endorsements be inferred by, HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government. Thanks for listening and have a great day.